0: Mike and Viana, yeah, they're playing some games, you better pray to your mama that they're not super lane. and if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name, it's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Viana, yeah, they're playing some games, you better pray to your mama that they're not super lane. and if that all sounds cool.
1: Bunny and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 3 of Survivor Island of the Idols. My name is Mike Bloom, here to break down everything under the cover of darkness. Let me bring in my co-host first and foremost, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you?
2: I'm good. I army crawled my way here to the B&B and I've come out from behind my single palm frond, so I think I'm I'm ready to talk about everything in this episode
1: yeah we should say uh between two ferns is the new name of the b&b or at least between one fern with sandra and i'm so wait a minute is it who's who's sneaking around the b&b right antonio mazzaro what are you doing here
3: <laughs> i'm doing uh, what i listen I, i'm on a mission i was specifically assigned the task of arriving here on this podcast and it looks like i've completed although i wasn't supposed to get caught uh, i'm very happy to be here with you liana and with you jimble
1: <laughs> oh no the skeletons are not going back in that closet are they
3: <laughs> oh no god. elf skeletons yeah oh
2: god <laughs> i do have mike saved in my phone now as mike the Jim or the elf jimble or something like that Yeah, <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm
1: not jimble one of your blue. your mass characters liana don't put the the in front of my
2: name okay right. <laughs> just jimble <laughs>
3: Just Jimbo, the elf who uh, talked to children in church basements. (laughs) So normal.
2: Supervised, supervised church
1: basements, (sighs) I should mention. Yeah,
3: (laughs) Lord knows those supervisors at churches are well known for, uh, (laughs) you know, their their propriety, let's say.
1: Yeah, well, papal (laughs) proprieties aside, uh, we have a lot to get into with this episode. Very interesting season so far. Antonio, I'm keen to hear from you, especially... What have your thoughts been about Survivor 39, three episodes in? I feel like we're about halfway through the pre-merge. This is really when we're starting to get a taste of what this season might be. As our resident, you know, fellow Top Chef expert, what's that taste in your opinion?
3: Wow, the Amuse Bouche has been different. Let's just say, the uh, Survivor Million Dollars is on the line. I'm not sure who's going to win the Survivor Million Dollars, but it sure looks like uh, there are some front runners. That said, I have been I've been pleased with the overall edit of the season. Maybe not necessarily one or two individuals' edits, but that first episode was great in terms of the total number of confessionals, in terms of the kinds of stories we were seeing. The second episode, it was shorter, obviously, so the style uh, had to. Very, so i think overall we've seen we've seen a lot that we wouldn't necessarily normally see we're getting good strategy from both camps not just the one going to tribal council so all those things are good the island of the idols thing look when survivor tries these things for the first time I think there are going to be some hiccups. We just have to accept that when they try a thing for the first time, it's not going to be a home run. They're not going to hit it out of the park. They're, even though they know how to make this TV show very well, um, they're, you know, they're playing with live ammo here. So, like, this is not, they, they can't just try this out in the moment and not expect some hiccups. So, I do think they're still trying to find their way in terms of what should go on on Island of the Idols, what, uh, how much of that should go into the show. I know from your preseason coverage, Mike, we talked. There was a lot of talk about this grand shelter that Boston Rob was going to build, the best shelter in Survivor history. So far, all we've got is a Snug, which now has made its way into the b So I, I just do think they're still figuring a lot of this stuff out. This episode, I think, was very representative of that. I mean, the, the skill learned on Island of Idols was to crawl on the ground. I don't know, man. I don't know, <laughs> Liana. I don't know, Mike. What's going on?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really good point about you can't really test this out. You know, there's no dream team for the Island of the Idols i guess you know you just have right. to try it out and see how it plays um but i have to ask the important question of what do you think about the 25 foot heads or how, how tall actually are they because sandra did clarify
1: yeah they are 25 feet okay
2: 25 yes the 25. i think, I think, I think they're like technically
1: like 22 or 23 but we can sort of angelina it and you know round up.
3: 90 feet
2: right yeah well i think that's what most people do right like you're 5'11 oh, i'm six feet tall <laughs> um what do you think about those because that's really the important thing i need to know
3: Listen, uh, they're insane. And it's really (laughs) funny that I think in, in, in many respects, and I watch for this every week. Do the play, there's the player who ends up on Island of the Island, Do they have a bigger reaction to the giant heads or to Rob and Sandra themselves? And honestly, I think it's about 50 50. If you watch the player when they, when they round the corner on the beach, they are more taken aback by the giant idols sometimes than they have been by the idols themselves, by Rob and Sandra. So they spend a lot of money on that thing, not a lot of money on maybe the immunity idol or some of the other things that are are from a production element we normally see in the show and I think that's a little bit evident Uh, also I think the Boston Robin looks like Colin Stone that's it
0: (laughs) wow
1: (laughs) great subtle survivor podcast sort of like I guess like I don't know, a meta narrative trying to put that in the player's heads of like, you should listen to Dom and Colin while you're out on the Island of the Idols. That's the true lesson to learn.
3: Does that make uh, Dom Sandra yeah, in this example?
2: Exactly. Well, the next time I see Dom hiding behind a single palm frond, <laughs> I'll be like, ah, I get it now.
1: He's, he's a very, you know, he's an introvert. He's a bit of a quiet person. And I feel like Sandra was trying to channel a Milford man in that one moment we got.
3: <laughs> Hiding behind the uh, palm frond. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. And him I, him. I will say from this episode, I think there's still a lot of ridiculous fun to be had with this season. We certainly got it in this episode. I will admit this might be my least favorite of the three so far. And it's a bit of damning with faint praise. Mainly because going back to what you said about the editing, Antonio, I it's not like we got an incomplete picture as to why Vince went home. In fact, I think what this season has done really well is that it's really built up a number of, of you know, logical possibilities going to Tribal Council, where I definitely thought it could have been Vince, it could have been Tom, it could have been Karishma going to that Tribal Council. I think, unfortunately, this episode, more than the other two, left a lot of blanks mm-hmm. open, like, What did Vince say when he got back from Island of the Idols? Did Vince talk with Elizabeth at all? Why did Vince target Tom when, you know, six days ago he was buddy-buddy with him? I'm fortunate enough in that, you know, I got to chat with Vince and ask all these questions. But I had so much fun watching what happened on Island of the Idols this week. It was probably my favorite lesson and had so much comedy in it in general. But if you look at the episode as a whole, and I'm happy that we got a lot of stuff from both tribes, it sort of makes you wonder what could have been left in had the Island of the Idols not existed. And obviously there's, there's you know, hindsight in that the person who went to Island of the Idols got voted out. And not to say, again, I wasn't entertained by the episode, but there were some things missing
3: this time. Right. Mask work. I think that's we need more mask work on Survivor generally speaking. Liana, were you buying uh, when Vince was in camp and they were they were cutting two people, stirring in the shelter and night terrors? That was not happening at the same time, was it?
2: Oh, no. I mean I don't think so. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh but what if someone wakes up? Yeah, no. like That was definitely at a completely different point in the evening. Um, I, I <laughs> Just like the whole concept of what was going on when I was watching, I was like, wait. What is happening right now? Like, what? why is Vince sneaking in to someone else's camp to steal ashes to put in a water bottle? Like, when you really take a step back and you think about what exactly is going on, which, by the way, the whole line with Boston Rob saying, or bring us some evidence, was definitely ADR'd in later. Like, the, the, it seemed like they didn't think about the possibility that if the fire went out, what was Vince going to do? I'm, <laughs> I'm nervous, though,
1: considering Vince's skills acquiring ash. I'm at my son's crib twice as hard now. Just oh, I don't want to turn my back at all in case I see him army crawling in with a torch, ready to take my
2: son. <laughs> Shoving your baby in a water bottle, which apparently is Vince's mo. It's like, oh, I have something to hide. I will put it in my water bottle. Yeah, water very, bottle very, or very hair.
1: like uh, I don't know. Seems to me, Antonio, like uh, in college when you would like go out to like whatever the sparse local nightlife is and you bring like the we used to call them in college to where you just put alcohol very blatantly in a water bottle it sort of felt like vince was channeling that with the idol
3: to gozies with ash yeah and then taking him to a church basement yeah it is uh it is definitely something that I, he improvised right an improvisation uh, as you know mike is a great skill to have uh, but certainly in survivor you have to be able to improvise and I, I i think in that moment i know his job was to light the torch and get fire so his improvisation was to get ash and say listen they had fire i got what i could i if it's me and i'm going into that camp in boston rob is adr asking me to bring evidence i probably just ripped down some form of the tribe flag or some of their their name and I take it and I'm gone like I I really would have I would have made it clear to the other tribe that I had been there they're not going to catch me but I want them to know someone was there and something happened
2: like leave your calling card of some yes. sort you know <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what that would be
1: but leave
3: your water bottle if you're Vince yeah, I guess or, or
2: his Hawaiian
1: shirt I feel like that's the other that's that was the big calling card Vince, at least in my opinion uh, where you know everyone when I got to interview everybody everyone was obviously you know they were circulating between My interviews, Josh's interviews, the interviews with CBS and the photos, the cast photos. And so Vince was wearing his Hawaiian shirt and he was like the one person whose outfit I remember because I'm like, why is he wearing a Hawaiian shirt? So I feel like that would be Vince's calling card above anything.
3: well and the other players would have seen it so they would have said why was that guy from the other tribe in our camp last night like what the hell is going on and I think that honestly when you talk about the fun from Island of Idols and the kinds of things that you can do uh, if we were to do something like this again I would be interested to see uh, how the players respond to it one of the things we're seeing of course is that Boston Rob is hammering these players for not negotiating or asking for a better offer and you don't know and it just seems like maybe the better offer is the idol will last longer or maybe your task will be a little easier, but I do wonder if the players uh, will start to have fun with this. Like maybe the second, the person who's sent back to Island of idols uh, for the first time, will they treat it differently? Those sorts of things are interesting about it, but uh, on on a conceit like this, where we probably will never see it again. I'm just not sure we're ever going to really see it fully formed.
1: Hmm. So speaking of Vince, let's get into what we thought about Vince preseason. Vince, Obviously a big character, both on and off screen. Liana, before the season started, how did you think Vince was going to do?
2: Okay, so Vince answered your what type of soup am I? Question, Mike, with Korean hangover soup. Okay, so I'm just going to throw that out there. So based Mm -hmm. on that, (laughs) I said that Vince would be pre-jury. And I said... Vince was another casualty of the Clam Chowder Alliance, which is Elizabeth, Aaron, and Tom. Um, Although his chill, chilly, Chile, friendly demeanor appealed to some people, he was Wait, did you write all those words in there? I I did. And I was like, okay, deliver this as a joke. And then I did not do that when (laughs) reading this. Anyway, it was smoother in my head. I'm no comedian, Mike. Okay, he was unable to form any strong bonds. It seemed like he was only used when needed and then discarded, much like hangover soup. The Alphabet Soup Alliance tried for a hot soup bar second to save him, but only Dean really took a liking to him.
1: A hot soup bar second. Hot <laughs> soup bar
2: second. <laughs> Which I think I now want to start using in my daily life. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue like some alphabet soup. Really does.
1: Oh boy, uh, so that was super. <laughs> <laughs> so I also had Vince going pre-jury. I said Vince would go to IOI at least once and he would have the biggest reaction to Rob and Sandra. I said he would say the word ass in at least one voting confessional because that was a word he was like very much into. Like, I remember one of the things he prominently said to me was like, you know, uh, you can get where my, I am. Your ass has just got to put in the work. And I said uh, he was going to because remember at this point, I had seen what happened in the first few days. I mm. said he would bungle the puzzle once more, which has Lyra side with Aaron this time. I said his closest ally would be Chelsea and his worst enemy would, of course, be Aaron. Since I saw only him and Ronnie vote for Vince in the one tribal council I
2: attended.
3: Yeah. And that brings up the point, Mike, that everyone should be reminded of is that you're disqualified for <laughs> yeah, the purposes exactly. of this analysis. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no problem uh i mean just leaving aside vince's ass use or ass play or whatever you want to oh, call him no. um, <laughs> he the... did fall
1: on his ass after he uh <laughs> snuck out of camp oh,
3: was which so was very funny to be fair uh late night pratfalls always uh always a, a, a real crowd pleaser <laughs>
2: yeah I, uh, I actually expected the benny hill music like in that moment <laughs> would have been
0: really great
3: listen did they, did i mean, they, did think
1: survivor could do a version like the benry hill music where it's like the tribal version of the of the brass <laughs> instruments I
3: love it. Yeah, yeah, the, the, uh, dirt, the dirt squirrel uh, section. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, the listen the moment. Uh, I, I I'm wondering at some point on Island of Idols, uh, are they going to do a challenge where they have to jump over a shark? I think the moment where the Benny Hill music comes onto uh, in, in an edit in Survivor is probably that moment. Regardless, I <laughs> love it but uh as far as the analysis goes uh liana wins obviously uh i i I think it's uh it is a good observation that you make mike uh about vince having the reaction to rob and sandra again an observation influenced by the fact that you spoke to vince and understood how important the game was to him uh but that that reaction was very moving i mean that was a a pretty big moment and when you're talking about uh, obviously the huge controversy over whether people are telling the truth when they come back uh, Over what they've been and whether Rob and Sandra are out there Um, the the reason to keep it secret a huge reason is for these kinds of moments Uh, and that was a big payoff uh, for a fan you could tell that that meant a lot to him Uh, as far as Korean hangover soup goes uh, discarded I think is the right way to put it Uh, Vince was used uh, and thrown away and that really is unfortunate for Vince Uh, and so I I definitely give this to Liana in that respect I, I do wonder just generally speaking and if this is a good form to talk about this. If it's not, it's okay. Uh, Vince comes back and Elizabeth knows that she went through a very difficult challenge on Island of Idols. She knows she's never going to beat Boston Robin Firemaking. I don't know why she decided to do it anyway. She felt maybe like I got to go for it, but she has to know that it's difficult to get an idol there and yet the assumption is that when Vince comes back, we should vote for Vince because he probably has an idol. I don't know why, first of all, Elizabeth thought he probably was able to do something she didn't in beating one of the legends But the other thing is, is this a good precedent? Uh, That's my question to establish. If you are a member of this tribe, considering they have no idea how the people are being selected to go to Island of Idols, uh, they have to assume that it might be random. Is it a good idea to just automatically put votes on any person who goes there considering any of them could be one of the next people to go? It just doesn't seem to me like it's a good precedent.
2: It just seems like they have, I don't know, such little information about it, especially because we didn't get to see any conversation between Elizabeth and Vince. Who knows what, what assumptions are being made? Why wasn't Elizabeth targeted when she came back? You know, like who—who who is it that's making the decision that, oh, the person that goes is the one that should be targeted. I just, I feel like they're operating under such little information that, like you said, to set the precedent like this just seems misguided because you really don't know what's happening. Uh, you know, and if you are chosen, do you really want that to come back on you? You know, you never right. know what could happen.
1: I mean, I would pause it though, to be quite honest. I think if any of those five girls, maybe save Karishma, go to Island of the Idols, the same thing is not going to happen as what happened with Vince.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that
1: would be it, the like, interesting it, part it, for w- sure. Yeah, like,
2: was it an easy
1: excuse? I, th- you know? I honestly think it was. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons there were innumerable reasons why he was targeted, but you I mean, you've seen a secret scene this week where Missy's just starts to get sketched out by Vince. In general, there's a scene where, you know, he she walks in on him just sauntering through the jungle and he just keeps saying he's looking for yams before he walks off to the beach. And (laughs) Missy talks with, I think it's Chelsea, and says, like, yeah, I mean, I think it would be greedy of us to keep him around as a six. I think she just feels that he's too superfluous and playing in the middle, which is a weird move to make, but I guess if there's just a general distrust in him. I think that, like you say, Antonio, there's an entire can of worms as to what they're allowed to say about island of the idols but i don't think vince particularly helped himself as well with what he said uh for those that did not read the exit press this week apparently vince's lie is that when he went to island of the idols he had to memorize five sequences of animals and then he had to find tiles around the island that represented those sequences and put them in order he said that he lost, and his uh, disadvantage was that he had to sleep out in the the rain with no shelter. He later told the girls that he lost his vote, but there's been a lot of talk about like he could have very easily, you know, what say whatever you want to about the the animal memory quiz you got, but he could have very easily said like, hey, yeah, I have an idol, because then that's really going to screw with people's minds and possibly change the plan a bit. Maybe they do swing back over and vote out Karishma. I, I think that Vince was in a tough situation going to Island of the Idols, but he didn't necessarily make things better. And to your point, Antonio, I I wonder if someone in the Lyro majority is sent to IOI, how are people going to approach it? Because if it's going to be a little different, then I think it's more a case of confirmation bias where they're like, Hey, we were sketched out by this guy. Now we have an excuse in that he might have something sketchy to vote him off. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: I, yeah, it just remains to be seen, right? Like, obviously, a, a huge reaction that we want to see as viewers, knowing that Chelsea's a big fan, is when Chelsea gets to go. Uh, and you do wonder, when Chelsea gets to go and she comes back, what's that look like? And I, I, after this episode, I'm given to wonder, is it is it what you're saying? Is it a convenient excuse? Or is there a precedent being established that if you go to IOI, there's a good chance you're going to come back with an idol? The other thing, too, is that Vince didn't play an idol. So as far as these people know, maybe he didn't actually get one uh, I don't know that they would have expected that he would go home with an idol in his pocket. I have a general question, and this could be for you, Leon, or for you, Jimbo. I wonder if uh, if when you get one of those, like, this idol is only good for the next two tribals, is that the next two tribals that your tribe goes to or that you go to? Uh, conceivably, then, is Vince holding on to his idol here thinking, well, maybe if we don't go to tribal for a few times, I'll be able to play this at a swap or maybe later even further down the line than that? Or is it just the next tribal uh, that happens, period?
2: That's a good question. From the way I understood it, it was just the next tribal that happens. So if you don't go, but uh, but Jimbo might actually know the answer to this.
1: Jimbo's cracked into his (laughs) elfin wisdom to figure it out. Yeah, I've I've done this question a couple of times, and I think we just need to go back and review the tape of what Rob says when he offers the idol, because the operative word is the or your. Because if it says it's good for the next two tribal councils, then yeah, you're totally right, Antonio. It's only good for episode three or four. So why not play it now? Because Lyra could win next time if it's your next two tribal councils then you have an opportunity to play at whatever tribal council you go to next time i'll be completely honest i can't remember the word that was used but i feel like that language is going to determine exactly when these short-term idols can be used
3: and perhaps that's negotiable, uh, like anything else apparently is on Island of Idols. Like maybe you can negotiate and with the the or the your and say, like, okay, I, I look, I get that this is good for the next two tribals. We might win the next two immunity challenges. So how about one that's good for my next two tribals? Like that may be a point of negotiation. I, I do think, I, I wish, and maybe we'll see this with Kelly, for example, if she goes back, that players will negotiate. I, I think that that's an interesting thing that was – Built in and baked into this season that we just haven't seen enough of, unless maybe BR senses that the player doesn't want to go all in. And then he's got, he's going to open the door a little bit because they want to do a challenge per episode. Then he'll do it. Uh, But the, I just don't know, expecting the players to know to negotiate, I've heard that talked about a lot in these podcasts. Like, not necessarily a thing that you know to be consistent within Survivor, that everything is negotiable. We've seen that happen over the course of the last several seasons with tribal negotiating directly with Jeff for things like Rice, but I'm not sure that that's baked into the overall idea of Survivor that everything is negotiable, so I, I do want to see some more of that on Island of Vitals. I think that could make for some interesting character notes, things yeah. that we recognize about a player. Oh, they're pretty smart. They're really going for it. Um, I think asking the players to do it on their own, maybe we're not getting that.
0: Alright,
1: well let's start getting into some new stuff here in that last week we started trying out this concept of our guest was going to come in and teach us something to apply to the game of Survivor. Last time, we learned a buttload of stuff about Canada. Before we get into this week's lesson, uh, Liana, I know you said you were going to try to bring these Canadian facts into the real world. How did it go?
2: I did. It was a complete disaster. So I was hanging out with some friends, and we were watching football. And, you know, I I tried to awkwardly segue Also, that's into like the it. least
1: Liana Boris sentence I've ever heard. I was hanging out with some <laughs> friends, and we
3: were watching football. <laughs>
2: I know for for multiple reasons
3: you were hanging out with friends
2: I know I left my home you guys it was (laughs) absolutely insane there's like nature outside um but anyway so yeah so I was out with uh, I was out with some friends and, and I tried to like awkwardly segue into something so you know they would put up some stat up on the you know up on the tv and I'd be like oh that's really interesting did you guys know that the most popular chain in Canada is Tim Hortons and I just got blamed stairs like okay liana that's nice
1: (laughs) just you should have pulled a (laughs) vince and and broken down and so people would pull up boston rob and be like oh
2: no it's so it's okay we'll listen to your facts (laughs) oh my gosh that actually that scene was so funny to me on island of the idols when boston robs the comeback i thought he was gonna roast vince for like not knowing where he lives but apparently having children uh garners some empathy from him (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is the thing about Boston Rob is I know he gets like an uber positive edit, and obviously I think his reception as one of the better players I think sort of washes over the fact that Boston Rob can be an a-hole sometimes. I know that you know, being a family man certainly rounds out those parts of personalities, but I think we're starting to see that part of, of Rob come out. There's a really nice secret scene where I think he talks about missing his family, and that it's very, very emotional and sweet. But then he has this moment where He's sort of like Mercases, Boston Rob, of like you don't know where you where you're from, and it's like, yeah, this you, you know you can't, a tiger can't change his stripes too much. That was good.
3: People um, and, people found that very funny, and it was right as Vince was starting to, to well up. So yeah.
1: Jerk. And uh, in terms of I guess my own side of it, <laughs> I guess people who listen to the Down the Hatch podcast know I tried to shoehorn that into my discussion with Josh Wiggler, and apparently someone fact checked me on it. So I don't know. Uh, we might need to. Might need to go back for Canadian 102, Liana, to see if we can uh, adapt those more so into social skills. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors.
2: With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you find your purpose at grand canyon university visit gcu.edu
1: and we are back so let's keep on keeping on speaking of social skills antonio i'm gonna turn it over to you buddy what lesson do you have to teach liana and i this week
3: (laughs) I have a lesson that is pertinent to survivors much more so than being able to crawl through the sand under a stick that Boston Rob is holding. Uh, and it is <laughs> mainly uh, how to understand what goes on with your Twitter account. Uh, this is much more pertinent, I believe, to the survivor skill set uh, than than that crawl. Uh, I'm going to use a couple of you as examples uh, just at the beginning here, and then I would ask for your participation. Uh, Twitter, there's a lot of features I think that people don't realize. For example, there's no way to really do this I don't think within the app but if I go to twitter.com slash search dash advanced that's twitter.com slash search dash advanced and I say maybe put in a time frame uh, from the beginning of when you uh, Mike or you Liana first tweeted until maybe like a year later Uh, I get to see for example Mike the first five tweets that are on your timeline oh
0: lord (laughs)
3: Tell me if any of these ring just got back from my gig
1: as Jimbo the Elf. Hashtag Elf Goals.
3: <laughs> Boy, are my arms <laughs> tired. Yeah. Um, let, let me uh, let me just ask if any of these tweets ring a bell. Uh, this is from July 17th, 2011.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes.
3: <laughs> True Blood, Breaking Bad, and Next Food Network star. Sunday is the new, quote, must-see TV night. I sound <laughs> like a TV guide. Yeah.
1: I do sound like a TV guide. Uh, wow. And that's, a—I think my TV tastes have changed much more for the better. Uh, no offense to, <laughs> Net, to next Food Network star, but true blood turned into true trash by the end of it.
3: Yeah, no offense. Uh, let me know if you understand the context of some of these other tweets. Uh, this was actually your first ever tweet. So far as I can tell, Mike, at least that's on your timeline. Uh, uh, currently, uh, I just like to acknowledge the unsung hero of the previous Potter flick. The dead troll that sat lying on the bridge for an entire night oh it's from God. july 15th 2011 wow. one like Ooh, one like
1: one like great all right well i was on the board so i think that really got me rolling to be like great let me tweet out my tv schedule for sunday that's really gonna catch wind uh i mean i guess 2011 i'm pretty sure that was deathly hallows part two and i guess there was a bridge that involved uh a dead troll I don't know, I might have to correspond with the real weird sisters here, but oh boy, oh, oh that's rough, that's a rough one to revisit
2: quality content, Mike
3: quality content, speaking of quality content, uh, nearly a week later actually eight days later, you just tweeted Mike, the walls are plaid <laughs> Oh boy! No context. Yeah, don't know. Uh, and then I think you were working on some project because on July twenty fifth, twenty eleven, you said I saw my first cockroach in quite a while. Yay! First day on set.
1: Oh yeah, I think I was. Uh, I was working a student film for uh, for NIFA in Jersey City in a public school over the summer. And uh, there were many a cockroach crawling around. Little did I know I'd be moving to New York City a mere two years later where the cockroaches would be in swarms.
3: It would be your landlord. Uh, and then, like, on the, the next day, you're, you're, you're live tweeting a little bit of this, uh, although you only tweeted twice about it. On set day two, tonight, I shall reward myself with the 90s extravaganza I missed from an early call time.
2: <laughs> what? What are you doing mike Oh <laughs> don't know
1: i still don't know i'm nearly 10 years later and i'm still not sure
3: the best part of this is, and in, in, in both cases, I feel like, at least from 2011, and in Liana's case, there's a tweet from t- 2009, you guys are on brand. Like, uh, uh, Listen, the classics the classics don't change. So, Just like I, those I classics
1: anything. 90s films that I missed out on due to my early call time in cockroach school.
3: <laughs> I don't <The> know. Extravaganza.
2: <laughs> I like the walls are plaid. I think that's my favorite <laughs> early mic. I'm go to get I think now the wallpaper that. on the B&B makes sense, right? Exactly. I was going to say, maybe that's the first time you met Rob. <laughs> (laughs)
3: it's It's the first time he did mushrooms
2: (laughs) yeah that could be it too
3: (laughs) well uh not to just pick on Jimbo here Uh liana uh we'll go back to 2009 august 17th the earliest tweet in your timeline on brand i am a cranium master
2: (laughs) (laughs) the the board game I think so. It <laughs> sounds about it is right. It's
3: capitalized. It it could be the head. It could be the actual, you know, part of the body. Holy but it. um it is it is capitalized.
2: <laughs> really into neuroscience. Okay, Mike, get your head out <laughs> right. of the gutter.
3: October thirteenth, twenty eleven. Donut rally tonight. Go team lounge. <laughs>
0: Oh. Team lounge? <laughs> no, oh no,
2: oh no. We had this thing in my undergrad called Donut Rally, where essentially you just go out and cause as much chaos as possible. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so we like wandered around campus just like doing stupid stuff. Oh no. <laughs>
1: Were there donuts involved?
2: Uh yeah. Well eventually we would end by going to this donut place and eating a buttload of donuts. Oh god. It's so embarrassing. <laughs>
3: Well, that December, all you tweeted uh, was "I love West" with an exclamation mark, and it links to a photograph I did not click through.
0: <laughs> That's probably a good idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was hosted at Yfrog. Uh, I don't know. This is this is, uh, and it's part of a larger lesson. Um, you got to remember what's out there, what you've linked to from your profile, what might still be hanging around there. I don't even know if Yfrog is still active. I don't know if there's an image there. Again, I did not click through. I don't know who who or what West might be in this context, Liana. Uh, but from December third. 2011, you did. So if you can't remember, um, maybe worth checking out. Again, you can go to twitter.com slash search dash advanced. You can search anyone's tweets this way. Just type in their at and set your date range and you can start from there. Um, Finally, Liana, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, 2012. What do you think you might have been tweeting about that day?
2: Oh, let's not explore. Donut rally
3: 2012. (laughs) (laughs) So again, February 14th, 2012. Liana tweets clinic telcon before eight a.m. materials question mark after a night of stems h w or is that hvv question mark. Where do I sign? Question mark hashtag M U D D problems.
0: Oh
2: my god, that's from undergrad. That oh my god, that's just me being a freaking nerd. Look well, at Liana,
1: it's clear that you and I both were kindred spirits because we both had tweets complaining about how early times were restricting us from doing certain things.
2: Yeah, apparently we were. Just, it was meant to be, Mike. The walls
1: that well, the walls uh, plaid walls just came crumbling down, and we ran into each other.
2: Oh
3: my God. The lesson is, I can't, I think that you guys remember this stuff, generally speaking, especially the donut rally and maybe the uh, early cockroach calls, uh, set calls, but you don't necessarily know or remember that it's out there for everyone in the world to view on your Twitter timeline.
0: <laughs> I get some tweets to delete.
3: <laughs> so that is, that is here, here endeth that part of the lesson, let's just say. Uh, before we get into any of my tweets, uh, we, we will end the lesson there. I have deleted mine, as far as I can tell. So if you're able to dig up old ones... Uh, uh, on mine, go for it you're probably uh, like Renee Herrera, who used to do that uh, as a hobby because he 's weird, um, but other than that, I, I do think that uh, that that's part of this lesson. Now, the second part of this lesson it 's not just what you're putting out there publicly uh, for people to learn about it 's also what Twitter knows about you or thinks it knows about you uh, based on what is out there privately, your likes, the things that uh, you click on, uh, some things like that. So this is an experiment I would like. Uh, both of you to participate in at this point on the left you have to go to twitter on desktop and then on the left side there's a menu with home Explore, notifications etc if you click the more button at the bottom and then click settings and privacy on the menu that comes up from there i would like you to click on the uh, privacy and safety section uh i believe uh well this is one way to do it Uh, actually you can probably do it uh from a number of sections this is the thing about twitter is the information is there uh so if you're going from there um actually hold on one second this is uh more settings and privacy, like I said, and then it is uh your Twitter data. Let me see exactly where that is. I apologize. Now they I feel like I have this written down and now it is moved to another section. So It's probably my fault. Uh, Twitter.com, like I said, more settings and privacy. And then we want to go to privacy and safety, I believe. And I'm just trying to find the section for your Twitter data. Mike, were you able to locate it before with what I sent you?
1: Yes, I believe so. If you just go to Twitter.com slash settings slash your underscore Twitter underscore data,
2: I think that, that should help.
3: Okay. So let's go, let's go there. And Liana, do you have yours up as well?
2: Yeah, I have mine pulled up.
3: Okay. So this is, yeah, it's just under the general account settings in the settings section if you're using the menu. So if you go to more and then account, it's under your Twitter data. And you can follow the link that Mike suggested as well. And when you get there, this is basically data that Twitter keeps about you. If you click on the interest and ads data and then click on interest from Twitter, this is what Twitter thinks about you. Uh, For mine, for example, it thinks I'm interested in things like ABC News, accessories, Ad Astra, I don't know why I think I'm interested in that. Adrian Lopez, not even sure I know who that is. Al Jazeera. That's probably putting me on a list somewhere. Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) Amy Klobuchar. Couldn't be more wrong. Uh, And a bunch of soccer players. Uh, Antonio Brown. Definitely not interested in Antonio Brown. These are just the A's. It's also got Ben Shapiro listed twice for me. Uh, I'm zero times interested in Ben Shapiro. So these are the things I think it's that that it it thinks I'm interested in Brett Kavanaugh. This is way wrong. Uh, I'm curious, generally speaking, Liana, what are some of the things Twitter thinks you're interested in?
2: First of all, it thinks I'm interested in bed and breakfast.
3: Whoa! Very, Sometimes it's right.
2: Yeah, terrifying but
3: also Wait, like, I have the
2: same thing too! <laughs> um, it thinks I'm interested in egg. Oh no. <laughs> well, we son. know that's true though. It is very true. Um, let's see, I have Devin Sawa also is up here. <laughs> um, let me see. This is pretty ridiculous. Let's uh, see.
1: I, we can go sort of back and forth with these as we like uh I have animals just the general <laughs> concept of animals I suppose. I have baseball listed twice for some reason. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh Brendan Yuri, the lead uh, singer of Panic yep. at the Disco. Uh not Cake and Candy in car culture.
2: Oh, I have car culture also. <laughs> I'm also interested in Google search. <laughs> Which, like, how can one be just interested in Google search? Is that a thing? Oh, Ja Rule? Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? my college life and combat
1: sports. They go hand in hand there. What oh, and Copa sport? Copa Sudamericana. <laughs> you like South does.
3: American soccer, Mike?
1: Apparently. <laughs> oh, I also have
3: Devin
2: Sama. <laughs> 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 oh my God. That's so funny. Oh, I'm just so, interested in music in general.
3: <laughs> just generally speaking. Yeah, I'm interested in doctor. I, by the way, you should be unchecking some of these if they're not appropriate as you go throughout. So Twitter does not continue to think you remain interested in this sort of thing. This is how they make ads for you. This is how they show you tweets that other people like. This is how they they show you what they think is relevant content to you. The trends for you section is built around this sort of thing. So, it says I'm interested in Eric Trump, for example. Lies. I'm unchecking that. I don't want that. It says I'm interested in fake news. I'm interested in <laughs> fake news. Does that mean they're going to provide me more okay, of I said, it? Oh, great. He loves it.
1: Let's give him some more. <laughs> yeah, give him some fake uh, news. I'm, apparently, I'm very interested in hello.
3: I have that one as well. What? I don't understand what that is, but that's got to go. I got
2: to see if I have that one.
1: Uh, but
3: right above hello for me is Harvey Weinstein scandal. Oh, God. Hope, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: I have hello also. Is everyone interested in Hello? You would well, assume so to know,
3: in the same general area, are you guys interested in Hollywood sex scandal like I apparently Ooh. am? No.
2: How do I add not. things to my list? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think you just have to interact with more tweets. Uh, this says I'm interested in Ted Cruz liking porn. No, that's not. I made that up. No, I
1: was going to say what? That's very specific,
2: <laughs> huh. I'm interested in Jeffrey Star twice. That's very odd. Uh, I'm interested John in, in, um, in Mithril cryptocurrency.
1: I'm assuming I looked up what? some sort of Lord of the Rings thing in Mithril, but I didn't realize that Mithril is a crypto.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> fascinating this is this uh, so there's definitely uh this is what twitter thinks about you and i the thing is I went through about a year ago and I did like this dig- digital detox and if anyone wants a link for uh, the program that I use it was a nonprofit uh, that was helping focus on how to change your privacy settings how to get rid of your ad data and we're going to do one final step in this regard on our Twitter lessons but when I did that like I said about a year ago I unchecked all this stuff and this is what's just populated on my side like I'm, ex- I'm interested in political corrupt- corruption worldwide apparently like this is a thing that I like according to Twitter that I'm interested in. Uh, so I, uh, some of the stuff obviously is on point. You guys have bed and breakfast. I have Seth Rogen. I don't understand. A sexual misconduct in the U.S. though is not something I want to continue to see tweets about, like, voluntarily speaking. Uh, so some of this stuff needs to go. You're welcome to leave any of it, but I definitely recommend that anyone who uses Twitter extensively go through and check this list out. This is what they think about you, uh, and these are, these are the ways that they supply you more content. So <laughs> (laughs) when we build our own silos this is what we build them out of. Liana, what what, what are you interested in over there? I'm like
0: dying over
2: here. I'm interested in pants (laughs) um, Pepperidge (laughs) Farm and sausage Whoa! (laughs) Pants and sausage. Oh, I'm interested in pants too!
3: This is so why am i boring. not interested in pants why is why why is pants not on mine yeah,
1: I, I actually more so judge you for not having pants on your leg <laughs> than we do for having pants on ours
2: <laughs> yeah is are you wearing pants right now no 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 no! don't tell me that
3: <laughs> oh my god Liana, does yours uh, do your interests include cranium and donut rallies yeah i was oh gonna say gosh, like i'm very surprised, surprised
1: mine doesn't include like cockroaches next food network star <laughs> Troll.
3: I think it's. I mean, it seems to be interested
2: more in like recent things. Apparently, I'm not sure.
1: My also I also have in all caps East and West. So maybe again, (laughs) it's another reason why we're (laughs) linked together. But neither North nor South.
3: Rihanna ah, well. loves West and Mike does not like the movie North. So there you go. Uh, my Ws are on point. I have in a row whiskey, wine, wolves, and Wu-Tang Clan.
2: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like your Mount Rushmore, Antonio.
3: It really is. It's perfect. I have no complaints about that in any way.
2: Oh, this is so funny. I really urge everybody to go check this out. This is so hilarious.
3: And again, you can just, you can get there really just from the the direct link that Mike provided. Uh, And actually, the direct link to the Twitter interests is twitter.com slash settings slash your underscore Twitter underscore data slash Twitter underscore interests. So that's your underscore Twitter underscore data slash Twitter underscore interests. Wait,
1: wait, wait. So. Do any of us have Survivor listed as an
2: interest? No, but oh I'm into Soup. <laughs> so, <laughs> close enough, I guess. But no, Do I, don't I have, have Survivor? I don't have Survivor. I, have... I don't have Big Brother. Like,
3: I have what? Sturgill Simpson, Sunderland, Super Mario, and Syrian War. No oh. Survivor.
2: Yeah, I got the Syrian war also.
3: <laughs> but
2: yeah, like no Big Brother, no Mass Singer, like n- no Drag Race, although I do have a I guess, I guess it doesn't get that granular.
1: I don't know. I see like Star Trek and Star Wars, but I guess when it comes to specific TV shows, it hasn't gotten to that point yet
2: so okay so remember the the lesson in episode two where it was like oh you have to listen to people to make connections is is that what's happening here Mm. (laughs) Twitter is just playing a really good survivor game by listening to all of the things apparently I
1: like so ironically not listening to all the survivor tweets we put out weekly
2: no apparently not
3: I wonder if sometimes too, I mean, I don't know who uh, is on, who is tweeting on behalf of Syrian war or who their PR people are, but maybe, oh, maybe organizations and companies. I don't know the, the nexus between the data Twitter collects and the advertisers who purchase the data. Uh, so for example, are, is somebody like Ryan Reynolds, who I apparently like, uh, is Ryan Reynolds publicist saying, Hey, Twitter, I want to send ads to Ryan Reynolds fans. Can you please make Ryan Reynolds an interest? On Twitter, so that we can target those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concern about fake news is relevant in that regard as well. Like, I just I don't know the nexus here between the specific categories that are created because it is odd, right? That Questlove is on my interest list, but Jeff Probst is not. I, I don't I don't get that. Uh, I'm not saying I don't like Questlove, but I am saying that I've definitely interacted with a ton more tweets about Jeff Probst and Survivor than I have about the Roots or Questlove or God, Jimmy Fallon. So I don't know ultimately how they're making these categories. And that's yet another reason why I think it's important for us to be mindful of what these programs and what these companies think about us because we don't know exactly why they're gathering this data or how they're using it. We just know they are gathering it. And that can be scary because we, we know that at least over the last few years, there have been specific examples of how it's used negatively. Uh, and in the survivor context, I, I, I don't know the lesson, but I definitely know it's better than crawling on the ground.
0: Well,
1: no, here's the thing. Uh, so now you're sort of like giving me a brain blast here. The cockroaches have crawled out of the recesses of my mind. So, obviously, like Liana said, last week we learned about the importance of listening. I feel like what you're imparting, Antonio, is the importance of talking. This idea of loose lips sinking ships, in that all these came from not just, you know, everything that we tweet about, but just things that we interact with. And I guess when you're in Survivor, you have nothing but downtime, and I'm I'm assuming you're going to say a lot about yourself, but certain things you might say about yourself might catch on somebody the wrong way. And so even though you are out there as yourself and and you want to interact with these other game players as people, maybe if you reveal a bit too much about yourself, they can utilize that data and use it against you possibly.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah or
3: they may misunderstand what you're saying like they may think that you're interested in Ben Shapiro when you're not just because his name comes up or because you interact with him in a negative way so you're right like what you put out there into the world how you represent yourself uh, whether that's talking or podcasting or uh, liking tweets or interacting with links uh, it does present an image of you that isn't a that it isn't it's not a like person to person first image it doesn't you, you you may disappear from the scene you may not remember that you tweeted in 2011, but what you tweeted in 2011, whether it's about clinic telcon before 8 a.m. materials, or whether it's about walls being plaid, uh, may later be inferred to say something about you or your character. By the way, uh, one of those sounds
1: much crazier than the other.
3: <laughs> yeah, the walls being plaid. Obviously, in our in our examples, we're not talking about anything untoward, but a lot of the people that go on these shows, what they find uh, is that people dig up the inferences from five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, oftentimes before they were the age of 18 uh, that really look bad in hindsight, that use words that have been canceled, uh, that use words that as adults we realize we, we don't use. Um, people who have been on Survivor have experienced this extensively. So it's just a good lesson to know that what you put out into the world, people may use that to infer something about your character, whether it's on the game or whether it's in general. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't like the Syrian war. I, I don't want to see stuff about it that I don't already actively seek out.
2: Well, and it's interesting also because here i can unclick the box that says that i like chicken but you know on survivor you can't do that so like being cautious about the things that you throw out there you know who knows but also at the same time you have to be yourself you know because otherwise you come across as being inauthentic so i think it's a really difficult line to walk
1: yeah yeah, to stand up and say yes i love devin sawa What of it? Give me the million dollars.
3: I love egg. Please give me the million dollars. I'm a fan of pants. Here I am. Stand up and be counted. Hear
1: me roar.
2: There are dozens (laughs) of us. Dozens. Here,
1: strip down so we know you don't have the idol. I'm sorry. I'm a fan of pants, so I can't do that.
2: Like really pants
3: man from way back. The uh, the other two things, real quick, that you should check out uh, and check into uh, is in in general. If you're in that same uh, more section and you're in the settings and privacy section of more, uh, there are ways for you to see where your Twitter is logged into uh, because you probably have authorized a lot of different apps uh, and you want to get that out there. Uh, just go into like the privacy and safety section, for example. Take a look at some of the things that are in that section. That you maybe aren't aware that are out there. Um, some of that stuff has to do with search filters. There's a section about personalization and data. I highly recommend everybody just turn that off. Um, you may want to see some ads that are personalized to you, but this is the thing it shows you personalized ads, personalized based on your inferred identity, uh, personalized based on the places you've been, track where you see Twitter content across the web, share your data with Twitter's business partners. You can turn all that off. In the personalization section of your account settings on Twitter. Again, they don't make this super easy to do on mobile, but on desktop, if you're in that settings section and you're poking around, you will find all the relevant information you need.
0: Wow. But
2: h- how will I be able to get personalized tweets from Eglin's Best? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eglin's Pants, it's, the newest brand. It's a
3: valid question. You can always follow Eglin's Best and see all of their uh-huh. tweets. That's very true. Well, Antonio,
1: yeah. thank you so much for teaching us how to sneak into Twitter's behind the scenes. You showed us on the map a back way in for us to uh, look through exactly what's being displayed there. What night terrors are available on this platform.
3: You try to get there while they're sleeping. It's much easier.
1: <laughs> exactly. And while they're in night mode, with, I guess is
3: leave it. with their ashes. Yeah.
1: Well, let's start moving on here to talking about the survivor players of this episode and, When I was watching this episode, with all of the round-robin stuff going on on Vokai, Dan said something along the lines of, you know, a win for the tribe is a win for me. And for some reason, my weird brain with plaid walls got me to Survivor campaign slogans. Maybe it's this idea that, you know, with the proliferated Democratic pool, there's been a lot of town halls. There's obviously been just a lot of, you know, campaigning at the forefront. And it made me think about contestants this season what some what some of their slogans might be for a political office. Let's say if they are running to be the king and or queen of Fiji to replace the deposed Molly and Jamal after they got blindsided. So I figure what we do is, uh, you know, we each sort of came up with a bunch for the castaways this season. We'll talk about that. Maybe we can talk about some of their debate tactics as well. I feel like the good thing about this cast is that three episodes in, We really know a good amount about everybody, even Dean, who really tripped into an edit this episode, uh, split vote and all. So, Liana, let me start with you. Is there someone in particular that you came up with a slogan for for their fake political campaigning
2: yeah okay so i have one for kelly so this is actually based off of herbert hoover's campaign (laughs) slogan so um okay so hers is a fish in every pot and an idol in everyone's hair which is based (laughs) off of a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage so i thought it was very fitting
3: Mm,
1: kelly i have uh don't touch me
0: No, (laughs) that'll work too.
3: (laughs) I didn't have anything for Kelly specifically, but I really like that Hoover example because wasn't he running in like the late twenties in the Depression, and he wants everybody to have a car in their garage when most people don't even have garages? Yeah, exactly. That's sort of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and the people they're talking to don't even have boots. We'll
2: see, and it fits because not everyone has hair. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tom's like, what the hell?
1: You lost the hairless yes. mode, Kelly. <laughs> I'm
3: just going to yeah. wear this idol on my head. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem with politicians. Sometimes their slogans ring hollow and they don't stay. Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, Antonio, you got one?
3: I have one uh, for Vince. Uh, First of all, I thought it would be funny. Um, I think Vince tried to, uh, and in much the same way, uh, maybe this is too soon. Uh, I think Vince's uh, attempted campaign slogan was I'm with her. Uh, But just much like the actual campaign slogan, I'm with her, it didn't work. Uh, And so I think maybe Vince's slogan at this point is who the hell voted for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he was very (laughs) Rupert-like after uh, he came back last episode.
3: Exactly. So Vince is who the hell voted for me. That's what. That's what I'm doing. I'm with her. Did not work for him.
1: I think I, I like this as like a post campaign slogan as well, like a pre, during, and post campaign slogan.
3: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mine. Uh, mine was based on the Howard Dean one. It was just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very fitting. That feels like a
1: very Nora thing, though, right? Like that's first true. we're gonna go to the ocean. Then we're gonna get coconuts on the trail. Then we're gonna wake up at six a.m. Yeah, dance, 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 dance. dance. <laughs> I have one for Nora, actually, that was uh, either time to wake up, like, or wake up and go to the polls, and I'll be the most train wreck leader ever, ever, just kidding.
2: (laughs) Just kidding. uh, Mine was, for Nora, was footloose for all.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On a somewhat related uh, note, for Jason, I just had no dancing. Yeah. He's the leader of the no dancing party. (laughs) Right.
2: Here in the no dancing party, we do not support any type of dancing shenanigans. Now what do
1: you think that party's like uh, behavioral policing extends to? Like if someone artfully dodges out of the way of someone, is that considered a dance in his opinion?
3: Oh, the Artful Dodger. That's a good question. We have to get him on. Uh, we have to really get him on the record with that. When he when in the debates, we really have to nail him down uh, with regard to that answer. Like, is it just dancing that do, do, you don't support or do you not support Artful Dodging?
2: Another. Yeah. Well, we can ahead. bring in Ron Clark as the expert here to like really define what is dancing. I know it when I see it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that should be what he's teaching lessons on. Like, screw all the, the core curriculum stuff. Uh, well, speaking of debate stuff, this wasn't a, a slogan, but one of the other reasons why I came up with this game is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Tommy talks with his hands very deliberately yes. when he's giving specials. It felt mm-hmm. very much to me. I don't know. I was thinking mostly of, a uh, Will Forte as Tim Calhoun from SNL where he would like read yes. the cute cards and, and purposely move his hand like he was a bulldozer or something. But like Tommy's hand movements remind me like he's in a debate and he's like very calculated with everything he says.
2: Yeah, well, I think yeah. that, that that's actually very fitting because I feel like his survivor game has also been something that's very cautious. And then he wants to be very deliberate, you know, doesn't want to make any sudden moves. So I think that, that totally makes sense.
3: He does look like he's spanking the air, uh, which I think for some political candidates is also a, a dangerous well, proposition. To be to fair, Ron
1: Clark also loved to spank the air when he taught the comma dance. So I think it's just another thing where the apple doesn't <laughs> fall too far from the teacher's desk.
3: Exactly. I didn't realize this Ron Clark Tommy connection now, but now I'm all in
1: Uh, one I had for Missy was a take on Obama's hope. That's just dope.
2: Oh, that's so good. (laughs) That would be perfect. I love that one.
3: Yeah, that's very good. Uh, I I did not have one for Missy, uh, but I did relate another one to a political campaign uh, for Jack, uh, much in the way of Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg trying to just be uh, Joe Biden light for Jack. I just had diet Joe.
2: um i had uh let's see i had another one that was based off of a a previous campaign slogan this was for jack um jackie canoe and jamal too (laughs) jackie canoe yeah you know like william henry harrison
3: (laughs) and and john tyler yeah
1: Yeah, because he was because uh, he was the big hero at the at the Battle of Tippecanoe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, Jack will also last thirty days plus in office. Oh dear. <laughs> I don't know. Does he have a coat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you- can I have William Henry Harrison? Can I have your coat, William? William, <laughs> yeah, it's so
3: good. how do you think it? Uh, how do you think it felt to be John Tyler? Like you just tacked onto that slogan. Uh, Tippecanoe. canoe. Oh, and Tyler too. Like he's here as well.
2: <laughs> right. Also that guy.
3: Yeah. Also John Tyler, yeah, history's forgotten man. Yeah. I, that is. Can I have your coat? That's really funny. Uh, maybe. Maybe Jack will uh, make it thirty days. Maybe he won't. Uh, I actually came up with a couple for Sandra and Boston Rob yes. as well, even though they're not in the game. Uh, Sandra, I think there's a couple. Bernie. Sanders currently uh you're you know running raising a ton of money his campaign slogan right now is not me us I think Sanders is just not me
2: <laughs> yeah that's great you the not one, me the uh the one I had for Boston Rob was at least I know where I'm from <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh wow Boston Rob taking a very aggressive stance in his political <laughs> platform
2: apparently
3: yeah, it's right there in his name, you know. <laughs> like, obviously, hopefully, everyone knows where he's from. For mine, for Boston Rob, I just had I just had a uh, chiropractic. Are they legit?
1: Uh, I would love them so being like, thought. and if I'm elected, I'm gonna make sure that we bring those chiropractors to justice.
3: I think Br sounds like Kennedy. That's yeah, great. Br I'm, equals yeah. JFK. <laughs>
2: oh man let's see i had a i had one for uh for tom but this is more like if tom were running for i don't know like middle school president um tom <laughs> is could you imagine like com. big old
1: tom in middle school being like all right uh let's make sure you're likely president of eighth grade
2: yeah exactly <laughs> and then he's got a sign tom is the bomb dot com. <laughs>
3: good afternoon fellow children (laughs) it is me your peer
1: play has a bunch of idols hanging from his head Uh, i had one for karishma that was be the bone because she cut through her hand and (laughs) could see her bone
2: (laughs) yeah that was so weird uh, that whole situation i don't know i feel like that's where i started to question the editing i was like why is no one coming over here she's like (laughs) crouched over on the ground it was very bizarre
3: yeah For Charisma, I, mean, I i thought the ben carson campaign slogan heal inspire revive would also be appropriate yeah, that
2: would
1: be good yeah she
3: did say she was conservative so
1: <laughs> well it's so it's so interesting yeah i agree Leon, about that whole scene because like she had such like i honestly can't tell if the histrionic reaction she had was warranted or whether everyone's like oh Karishma did this all the time or i'm obviously no judge as to cuts of like I would generally believe her if she said she could see down to the bone, but honestly, from what we saw, it looked like a little cut. I mean, she didn't have to be medevaced, just bandaged up a little bit. So honestly, I have no idea what to make of it. I guess with Karishma's edit in general, we're supposed to believe that it was just, like, her overreacting, but I don't want to, like, downplay anyone's injury, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's the thing is that, you know, she we didn't really get to see it. Right. She clearly was injured. So I don't want to say anything. You know, it's it's her injury. But at the same time, to I, I don't know. You're again, I think Rob talked about this. But like, you're so bored. <laughs> don't you want to go over and, and say something? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I mean, they definitely showed that she was on the ground and people were standing right nearby. That wasn't a Vince wakes up somebody with a night terror scenario where the things were happening at two different times. Mm-hmm. That this was happening in real time with people standing a few feet away. She was on the ground with pain in her hand. So it is rather surprising that no one came over.
1: Yeah, bizarre. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Lyro, I have one for Dean that simply don't split the vote. <laughs>
3: I had a very similar thing for Dean. I also had Dean for America for Dean. Speaking of Howard Dean.
2: Oh, man. The Dean Dean scene. Um, So the first thing that happened is they're walking to the boat, which I love the random dude on the boat, by the way. But they're walking (laughs) to the boat and Dean like trips on something or steps on something and goes, ouch. And I thought that was going to be his highlight moment of this episode. And then he goes on to say, let's split the vote in front of everybody and then quote himself in the voting confessional. This was quite a coming out party for Dean.
1: I am so happy about this because Dean was quite a character from when I met him preseason. I was a little disappointed that we didn't see him in the first few episodes. I feel like part of it is, as Ronnie told me in his exit interview with me, Dean sort of kept to himself in those first few days. So maybe that was represented on the island. But I mean, listen, uh, in the Survivor South Africa coverage, I was able to create a Doof of the Week award. And I I feel like Dean is starting to get into Doof territory, which I love. Let me just say, Doof is not a disparaging term, in my opinion. Not whatsoever, but he did so much doofy stuff this episode that it made me so happy
3: doofs have won this game so it is not you you can you can do for your way to a million dollars in survivor for sure and i could see that happening uh with dean in that he didn't stick his neck out so he hasn't made any enemies one way or the other and this is a goofy moment that was awkward and hilarious at the time didn't seem to stick to him in a negative way he talked about it he got to say it in the tribal council and they did split the vote so my man was right about it it was just a a very hilarious moment for sure uh and all you all he has to do is punctuate it with a Howard Dean scream. And we're, we're full on Dean for America territory over here.
2: Yeah, I did also have Dean. Yeah, <laughs> also just because of the Howard <laughs> Dean connection. Um, yeah, I thought that was so interesting. I mean, it is better to be a doof, right? And uh, and he was someone who did the puzzle, right? And was zero mentioned. I mean, if you count that, he basically just handed pieces to charisma
3: for most yeah, that's of it. True.
2: That's true. That was his role. Um, but yeah, I mean, he seems to be in actually a pretty decent spot, given all of the doofiness
3: right could be a lot worse I mean he could be getting suplexed by Elaine uh, who for her campaign slogan I just had suplex city on a hill oh yeah Uh, I I put
1: put a suplex to the polls personally like when when Pokemon (laughs) go to the polls was a thing
3: (laughs) My, oh, God, it was a thing.
2: Is that not in your Twitter uh, mentions or uh, targeted ads? Uh, I did say I like
3: Pokemon, which was odd for me. I think
2: mine had Pokemon Go, actually. as <laughs> one of my interests. Um, so mine for Elaine, were all cumin based. Um, so cumin together as one. We're cumin for you. Cumin home survivor or yes, we cumin.
1: <laughs> that, that last one's it. I think we got it.
2: I mean, why didn't Obama think of that?
3: I'm a little worried people might not pronounce it correctly, though, and then you're in a very different circumstance uh, if you didn't have the acumen to pronounce it correctly.
2: Right. It's uh, coming.
3: (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Teresa (laughs) Chudice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these walls are plaid.
2: Oh, their walls are plaid. All right. Uh, does anybody have anything else uh, for the? No, I'm slogans? ready. To, I'm
1: ready to close up these polls. But I think we jump started everyone's career pretty much. So I'm I'm excited to see where they go from here and who ends up getting elected king and queen and who ends up freezing to death during their inauguration.
0: Yeah. Oh dear.
2: Um. Okay. So I I just I want to briefly touch on this. Um. But the the person who had the night terror at the Vokai tribe apparently it was Tommy. So somebody tweeted out like, oh, who had the night terror? And Matt Van Wagner responded, it was Tommy, which is hilarious. By the way, that it was Matt Van Wagner, and then Tommy tries to play it off like, oh, ha ha ha, I was dreaming about pineapple on pizza. I call lies here. So, what do we think Tommy was really dreaming about?
3: Having his hands cut off so he could no longer talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without yeah. my hands, who am I? How, how do I? How
2: do I do this?
1: <laughs> I I think that. Well, first off, the timing, not terror, night terror noise, was horrific. Like it's it sounded one of the reasons why people didn't realize it was Tommy's because it sounded so guttural. There's also this really cute moment where Jack, who's sitting next to him, like wakes up and like almost throws himself on top of Tommy as if to shield him from something, but also to wake him up at the same time. It was really cute.
2: Yeah, it was really sweet and really cute. I, you know, cause it's at the same time I was trying to think like, maybe these two things are connected with Vince sneaking into the camp. So maybe Tommy's like, Oh no, the fire, the ash, <laughs> where did all our ash go?
1: Oh yeah. So you think maybe this was after the fact and he realized it and just sort of like, or he had like, maybe he had a premonition
0: like yeah, he had exactly. a dream
1: and like was trying to warn Vokai about it and they what they were they had no way to listen to it
2: are like somehow connected. I don't know. Maybe he was dreaming about uh, 25-foot statues falling down. I don't know.
3: <laughs> he had a premonition that Rob and Sandra were on the island. Yeah, no one has told him, so he has to just dream it. This is all... I, people talk about dreaming on Survivor and the experiences that they've had. Uh, Tommy definitely seems like he feels like he's in control of the game. So I got to imagine, uh, on the real, like he was probably dreaming about the, everything spiraling out of control, and he's probably under a ton of stress right now. So uh, maybe he was dreaming about someone sneaking into his camp, but that did not seem to be the case.
1: My theory is that he had a dream that he lost his big sun hat.
2: Aww. We're talking yeah, about that what? for a what do you second? think of his hat? Yeah, yeah his,
1: I mean, it's definitely a noticeable hat. We're at least mm-hmm. on the same page about that, right? But, but what do we think about his big wicker hat? I mean, I'm very happy about it because even when I talked to him, which was like day negative one or day zero, he was burnt. And I was very afraid that he'd end up looking like Cochran, looking like a big old lobster by the end of the first immunity challenge. But I'm very happy that he was able to bring that hat. So at least he's somewhat shaded from the dangers that the sun will provide. The dangers to the game are still open, but at least the sun is discounted as a threat.
2: Well, I actually was initially confused about how that hat got cleared, but then given his uh, his skin tone, it actually made sense. It was just the producers being like, no, we really need to get this guy a noticeable hat. He <laughs> he needs it. We do not have enough sunscreen on the island of Fiji for him.
3: Well, it says here in my Twitter likes that noticeable hats are an interest yeah. of mine. So there you go. Um, I must have been in the same boat. But
2: not pants. No. <laughs> right. um all right well speaking of theories uh we have an expert in our midst mike and antonio you have talked about conspiracies on rob and akiva need a podcast so we thought about doing our own little conspira pod here all about survivor conspiracies so i have a few conspiracies that i think that would be fun for us to talk through um so i pulled all of this from reddit (laughs) I know nothing about any of this. The
3: epicenter of conspiracy. Exactly,
2: which I felt was very appropriate. Um, So let's just dig into some of these. All right. So the first conspiracy theory that I have is that fans versus favorites one, Micronesia, was supposed to be All-Stars 2. Here's some of the supporting evidence. So apparently... um, Kobe from Palau confirmed that Micronesia was originally All-Stars 2 and a cast of people were all suddenly dropped. So, quote, he said, they called me back for the first Fans versus Faves, and then I was dumped two days before leaving with a handful of others with no explanation. He lists Twyla, Shane, Terry, Yule, and Courtney as other people. Uh, so, I don't know what you guys think about this. Mike, apparently you talked about it on, on uh, Historians, maybe? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we did. And I, I basically used Kobe's uh, word as evidence as to whether why that was the case and why, for some reason, they decided to, you know, cut it, the cast in half at the last second and make it a fans versus favorites. It would make sense in terms of timing. They did All-Stars in Season 8. It would make sense to do another All-Stars in Season 16. I mean, it'd be interesting looking at what that would be like. Maybe there were some trepidations based on how the first All-Stars went about whether it would happen again. It turns out it was sort of a similar outcome in Micronesia in that two of the people that were like, why are these two people returning end up making the final two? Uh, so it sort of, you know, was an inevitable outcome as it is. But I could see evidence how, look, I feel like with the survivor planning process, like, I don't know how soon this cast was assembled before the idea was ditched into fans versus favorites. This could have just been some exploratory calls and then they decided to ditch the concept. It wasn't like, hey, it's two weeks out, by the way, you don't need to go out anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and the other part of this, and this is where the Conspirapod talk comes in, you have to ask yourself, like, logically, does that then mean that the, the Chet Welch, they just have Chet Welch on speed dial, and they call him two weeks out and say, hey, you want to be on Survivor? Or was it possible that maybe they were playing one plan against the other? That they may be, were they may be considering a new player season or an all-star season, depending on what they're doing? Do they have people like Mikey B and Joel and Chet and Kathy Sleckman and all of the fans, uh, if you you will, Did they have those people uh, just on speed dial or, or what like because you, you, you can't just grab people two weeks out and put that cast on them some people might suggest that that cast represented a hastily assembled group of people but I mean you 've got Eric Reichenbach you could probably ask him i'm sure he would tell you like what and he's probably out there on record somewhere that could be revealed like what was his casting process like? when did he call or when did he apply how soon in, in advance before the season was he told about it uh, or or what what does that look like? as compared to a normal casting process. And that's the the part of this that I just don't know. It makes sense that there were a lot of All-Stars on the table that they maybe cut uh, when they came through with the final cast of All-Stars. Does it make sense, though, that they had these people just ready at the last moment to replace those people? That's the part where it's a little more questionable.
2: Right. It seems like are these the people that they really wanted to go with, that they felt so strongly about? Um, But someone else um, on Reddit said, I swear as well, somewhere Mark Burnett or Jeff said that they were going to do an All-Stars 2 but wanted to explore quote, other themes once they saw actual fans audition tapes like Eric's. But, you know, you need a whole cast, right, of fans if you're going to do this, right? Was Kathy Sleckman like, oh my gosh, we just have to have her on TV.
1: Well, you know, no, I, I, know. I actually feel like with Kathy, that's fine. I feel like that's if you're true. looking <laughs> at the, uh, if you're looking at, like, a Chet And I could maybe, maybe uh, Chet's appearance is more so lending credence to the theory that this was planned two weeks ahead of time. That's fair. That's fair. Jim might be like, oh, okay, I'll try to hit up the gym as much as I can, but I'm not entirely sure about that. But yeah, I I think that, I mean, I also know there was something uh, along the lines of like, there was an article in People magazine or something that was saying, like, ooh, uh, There should be there's apparently rumors of an upcoming All-Stars 2 season featuring these people and fan favorite Jeff Wilson from Survivor Palau, a.k.a. the guy who tripped on a coconut and quit in Episode 3. Ah,
2: yes. Fan favorite, of course.
3: Right. And a lot of times and this was this was something that Rob and Josh did on the evolution of strategy, as well as I'm sure you've done, Mike, on Survivor Historians you look at the rumors of people that are rumored to be returning on some of these seasons. And I think sometimes that's that person or that person's publicist staying in the news uh, by saying, yeah, yeah, they called him. Or sometimes it is the show contacting the person. I mean, we know from a few seasons ago, I believe that they sent out a questionnaire to everyone who had played previously just to see where they were, what they'd been up to, get some details about them, etc. cetera. Uh, and I think that's just all by means of them having a database of people that's constantly being updated, knowing where people, are in their lives, knowing if their story has changed, if there's something interesting as they're discussing the development of these seasons that they think maybe can come into play. So that is, I think, part of their overall process. So when some of these individual players talk about having been contacted for potentially appearing on a season, I'm not entirely convinced that means the theme was locked in and then they changed it. I think it could mean generally speaking that they're debating a theme uh, or that the theme is in the works and maybe they're looking at different options. And so, to me, this this conspiracy seems seems more likely um, that they contacted a bunch of all stars, not knowing exactly how they wanted the season to go, and that it wasn't a, a last minute switch where they bailed from a full all stars to a mix. I, I it was probably a switch somewhere in the middle, if it was a switch at all. All right,
1: all right, all right. Now here, here's my big theory, and roll with me on this one if you'd like to. Uh, there was uh, a big invisible person behind production whose name was uh, Aaron Sliceberger. And he loved to slice burgers. Uh, and Aaron Sliceberger was like, "You gotta do another All Star season. Do it for me, A.S. Aaron Sliceberger. And they said, "Oh, great, that makes sense. We'll do A.S. We sort of like our secret nod to you." And Andrew, unfortunately, or Aaron, unfortunately, had to uh, leave due to personal reasons and was replaced by a guy named uh, Frederick von Freierstein. And he said, all right, I guess you're going to have to name it after me now because you made that blood oath. And they said, oh, crap, okay, FVF, what the hell does that mean? And they sort of had to come up with a theme based on that.
2: Uh, I'm just gonna first say that I think Mike's hungry based on the names that he's chosen.
1: Um, I can really go for some slice burger right now.
2: Yeah, but I like I like the fact that it's Aaron Slice Burger the second right because I feel like if it's gonna be All Stars two, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it was
1: Aaron, and then Aaron brought on his son. It was very like uh, it was very unhealthy business practices, but he was able to get his son on the uh, behind the scenes.
2: Right. Yeah. Um. I'm gonna go with no on that one, Mike. But I appreciate the effort. I think it's plausible. Oh, okay. <laughs> Right, yeah, thanks, thanks, Antonio. Well, you are the expert, so that definitely. Yeah, no makes problem. Sense. Um, Stamping it plausible. So on, uh, okay, so I know on Renap, didn't you guys have a scale of like one to something, like one to shack or whatever, like whether or not this conspiracy was was valid? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, if we one want to
3: shack. That was our scale. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's a four. I think it's more less likely than more likely that they switched from a full all stars at the last minute to a mixed. Uh, Concept. I think that it's possible that they had thought maybe they would do a full All Stars at some point, but I don't think a last minute switch is as likely. I'm going four on the zero to Shaq scale.
1: Yeah, I guess, Mike, I guess I'm going to go with a five in that, like, I do believe at some point it was thought of, but I firmly believe it was early in the process and not a last minute thing. So I'm acknowledging that it was real, but like it wasn't as big of a thing as some people might, you know, assume
2: hmm well, so uh, I'm confused by the scale do low numbers mean we believe it or do high numbers mean that we believe it do we I believe in Shaq or not Is yeah
3: it, I mean we believe it like
2: I believe Shaq exists so uh okay I don't know I think this one's probably pretty likely I guess I'll go with a six out of Shaq I don't know what that means <laughs> um just because spy shack yeah like I could see it I think also that I'm I'm you know I'm big into numbers I don't know why numerology wasn't in my interest list uh but the you know the fact that you have eight and 16 I I I can see it. Yeah, I'm surprised that like the
1: number 3 was not in your interest, Leona.
2: <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, or 69. Uh, all right. So let's get into our next nice. conspiracy theory. Um, so this is all about Sash uh, being expelled from Nicaragua, slash offering to pay for Jane's mortgage. Uh, OK, so this is the description that I have um, at the tribal council where Jane was going home. Jane told everyone that Sash came up to her and tried to make a deal with her. If she can get the jury to vote for Sash to win in the end and Sash ends up winning, he'll use part of the winnings to pay off her mortgage. Uh so when Jane drops this, Jeff and the other producers freak out since obviously that would be against the rules. They stop the tribal council, stop filming, and several of the producers went through the footage of the days events trying to see if they could find evidence of this happening. Um had they been able to find the footage, they would have eliminated Sash. Um but after some hours of searching, they couldn't find the footage of him actually saying this. Um and so they couldn't eliminate Sash because they couldn't find the proof, so they went ahead with tribal council and Jane got voted out. So, Antonio, what do you think about this conspiracy theory?
3: So I've heard this conspiracy theory, but maybe not in this form. I thought that this happened uh, later in the game uh, where it was brought up and there was this major, massive edit that had to occur near the finals, uh, not when Jane was voted out, uh, but later than that. Uh, I, so I, I've think, heard I different think you're version.
1: both right in the mythology that obviously this had a poll at the final tribal council where, you know, I think that was sort of the elephant in the room and obviously it was cut out of the final tribal council but i think it's safe to say that was one big reason why sash got zero votes at the end
3: so mike you're stamping this one as instantly plausible this is something you've heard as well it's
1: something i've heard of as well i mean it look i i feel like there are certainly things that are being said and offered out there on the island that are neither kosher nor make the edit i have not watched nicaragua in quite some time so quite frankly i can't remember how choppy Things were in that penultimate episode where Jane got voted out. You know, did it make sense from an editing perspective as to why she left? Because if it's easier to edit around, maybe the, the theory is true that, like, this was only a rumor and that there was no certifiable evidence behind it. Are we sure that Sash wasn't offering to pay for Jane's Morgan, which is that he was going to hire the entire Morgan tribe from Survivor Pearl Islands to make an appearance to her home?
2: Yeah, again, Mike, I feel like these all have Another idea and- <laughs> from Frederick Von <laughs>
1: Freerstein. Yes.
2: Oh, man. I don't know. Or was it Aaron's... Burger? No, Aaron Slice. <laughs> Aaron Sliceburger left Sliceberger. though before season sixteen. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I so I had actually heard this one before. I had started doing research on some Survivor conspiracy theories, um, and uh, I guess like the big question is: Okay, did Sash actually pull Jane aside off camera and promise this, or did Jane make it up to slander him? Like, I do believe that this was discussed at the time. It's just a matter of you know, w- sort of which side. Uh, of the coin like really actually occurred I don't know
3: it's a good question and the thing to also keep in mind about that is that Jane is a noted bomb thrower right like she is somebody whose appearance on the show was definitely marked by her personality that won her a lot of fans but also won her a lot of enemies including Marty uh, and people in the course of her season so that season is certainly rife with people like that, uh, lightning rods, or people uh, who had big personalities that, in some ways, uh, maybe stood out uh, or put them in that position. So it is you could you could picture both ways of this happening. You could certainly picture the way Sash was depicted uh, as being the kind of person that was very clever uh, and that was willing to do just about anything to advance himself in the game. Uh, that was the edit we saw from him. Obviously, his lies are or let's even if you want to be kind to him. Call deceptions are definitely caught up to him at the end with the jury vote, uh, but if you want to say that Jane was also the kind of person that would be vindictive, I don't think that, that that's absent from the edit either, so I think either could be true. Um, the best conspiracies, right, are the ones that are believable because there, there is some believable motive, or you believe that the the motivation or the, the source of this conspiracy um, is valid, and I think that that plays on both sides of this one, where you could see Jane being upset about it or bringing it up to wound, and you could see saying that sort of thing in order to try to get votes so it could it could certainly play either way and i think that one makes this one more believable as well
1: do you think it would have been against the rules if sash said instead of i'll pay your mortgage i'll move into your house with you and that will sort of like be a way to help pay for the mortgage
2: <laughs> right like i'll move in and i will live with you and we will be roommates and that's okay um yeah i don't i don't know about that situation Uh, (laughs) if you if you
1: vote for me i will move in with you is the weirdest like threat of a jury vote i've ever heard
2: (laughs) right like uh if you vote me out you know i will move into your home with you um all right seems like
3: a threat it really does
2: yeah exactly especially you know the tone obviously is key um all right so mike what do you think on a scale of one to shack which apparently we're still going with um how do you do you believe in this conspiracy theory
1: it's tough because antonio said i feel like again there's like a little there might be a little nugget of truth in there mired sort of in a lot of hearsay I feel like a lot of it might be some Jane Bright brouhaha. So I'm going to go with the...
2: Uh-oh. Five. Okay, uh, is that a hernia or... <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> add, add it to my Twitter interest, hernias. Uh, Got well, it. What what Shane reminded me at the last minute is I do remember that after that, this season, after Nicaragua, they stopped... Releasing the full list of voting confessionals uh, online, and I wonder if they did that to curb any possibilities of like wanton information getting out that they don't want getting out. So I feel like that's too. I I don't know. It's. uh, I don't know if it's causation or uh, correlation, but I wonder if the former might be involved.
2: Hmm. Um. Okay. Well, I. I think for me, I. I don't know. I I mean, I genuinely believe that this is a thing that was talked about, but I guess I also sort of think like I, I could see Jane making something like this up. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'm probably I'm probably a four on this one.
3: I think that's where I am. And for the same reasons, like you, as I said, you could certainly see sash being clever enough to maybe say something like that without saying it right Mm -hmm. uh or to be a little more like i'll take care of you i know you have a mortgage um i can help you like we can be friends like this is something we don't you know goes outside the game like as it goes on if you if you take care of me i can take care of you like i can see you can if you can if you can and I can't, like, I can see that, uh, I can see that maybe being something where that, that was the kind of discussion was had. And then Jane took it to the power of a million because she was offended or because she was angry with sash or because she was trying to save herself. She votes for sash, obviously when she goes home. So I could see it war going either way. So I'm in the four to five range as well. I don't find it more believable than not, but I certainly don't find it not believable.
2: All right. So let's touch on another one really quickly. Um, The fire making challenge in Palau. So uh, somebody on Reddit said, I heard talks that in Palau, Bobby John actually beat Stephanie in the fire making challenge. uh, But she complained that her wood was wet. They redid it and she won. And that's why Bobby John despises her so much. So, Mike, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Interesting.
1: Uh, first off, the idea of Stephanie LaGrosa complaining about something is complete news to me. Shut Never her. once have I have I seen her do that in any of the three seasons that she's played. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, this was unprecedented, right? I think production might have been a little bit like, oh my god, there's two people left on this tribe. They, they're gonna vote for each other. What are they going to do? I can't remember the conditions that night, you know, if it was rainy. I feel like Bobby John has other reasons to be pissed off at Stephanie besides this. I mean, I think that, you know, the way that they just were living with each other for so long, much like Mm Sash and Jane were going to be if his plan succeeded, that I feel like she just got on his nerves so much that I could understand him not wanting to really interact with her. So I don't know. Uh, Maybe this is me just really wanting to believe as much as I love Bobby John, uh, I I personally feel like he wasn't necessarily done dirty here.
2: Um, I'm sorry. I'm just picturing um, Sash and Jane in like a sitcom type situation where they're forced to live with each other based on some conditions. And uh, there's a laugh track involved. Um, yeah, I don't know about this one. I I, I don't know if I believe it. Um, I don't know, Antonio, if you have any thoughts.
3: Yeah, I don't believe it. Only in that, okay, so picture this scenario, right? They're both there, they make fire, Bobby John wins, and Stephanie says, my wood was wet and throws a fit, and they get to do it again. The motivation behind letting her do it again would be what? That she doesn't sue, that she doesn't blab, that she doesn't cause a problem because of this scenario, right? Those are all the the likely motivations. Isn't that same motivation there for Bobby John if he wins and then Mm -hmm. loses because of this? So why would the same parties that are motivated by catering to Stephanie out of fear not be motivated by not catering to bobby john out of fear uh the other thing is how does stephanie prove that her wood was wet and bobby john's wasn't like how can they establish that bobby john's would have been
1: burned at that point too so it's not like (laughs)
3: yeah she gets a a water bottle full of ashes out and says look they're wet and they're like yeah you put them in your water bottle and she says i want to do this again and they do it again i don't believe it so I just that's the thing is if so if, you're, if it was raining like you were saying Mike then clearly both of the wood that they had could have been subject to being wet and there's no way to say if I remember correctly um, it ended up like that it was like a, a very close finish right like I, I, I don't remember like Stephanie blowing him out on the replay I don't know how this suggested first one would have gone but I got to imagine that she's saying her wood was wet I don't know why he couldn't say that as well hey mine was too and there's no way to established that it, it wasn't so I just don't see this as likely I'm putting it at a zero plus we
1: know that if Bobby John had won a challenge he would have smashed everything in pure ecstasy so they wouldn't have been able
3: to even rerun good the point. challenge good point the whole council set would have been gone
2: right they wouldn't have been able to go back yeah I, I think I'm with you guys on this um, I probably go zero out of shack or one out of shack here
1: yeah I would say one or a zero in honor of season 10 <laughs> right.
3: zero the opposite of Shaq everyone knows that <laughs>
2: Um all right well that's uh, that's all I got for the our our very own survivor conspirapod um but that's good uh, I already
3: have some ideas for conspirapod 2 in this regard so you're they, there's still a fertile uh fertile ground uh, from uh, matches being smuggled in uh mm. to mm-hmm. uh food being eaten uh smuggled from production and all the way down the line there are plenty more uh survivor conspiracies that's so uh look on be on the lookout maybe we'll do a future one and
1: thank yeah, I you I to Liana for uh, letting us put on our t- Foil buffs for a second.
2: I know. I'd been waiting to wear mine. I made it so long ago. Yeah. I, actually, do you think
1: that might, that might be the best hat for Tommy? Is that it's very refractory and like will repel the sun?
2: I have a feeling like it's going to heat up though and trap yeah. heat and somehow then cause other <laughs> it's, burns. It's going to his skin. head.
3: He's yeah. going to be like a, a baked lobster, right? Yeah. He's going to be like a piece Tommy. of
1: salmon that you put in the oven. Ah. All right. So for my question, I'm going to go with what I've been trying to do the past couple weeks of guess who's going to say next week's episode title. Liana, I, I feel like I'm trying to remember properly. Was Jack on our short list for Honesty Would Be Chill?
2: Yeah, I actually think that. So I remember Haley and I thought it was going to be either Jack or Jamal or one of them. So I think Haley got it right. So props to our uh, Canada expert.
1: Absolutely. and I feel like Honesty Would Be Chill would also be a good slogan for Jack as well.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Put, put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah. Right next to Jackie Canoe and Jamal too. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> um, so next week's
1: episode, episode four title, Plan Z. So I guess this is like a multi-layered question. Who's going to say it? And what do we think the Z in Plan Z stands for, if anything?
2: Oh, man. I, I So I have to imagine this is someone with a lot of options, right? Because you plan A, B, C, D, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. So I don't know. The Vokai tribe is a freaking hot mess when it comes to all their plans. So I would imagine it's someone over there, but I don't know.
3: That seems likely to me as well, that it's someone on that tribe, although... You you have to consider the dynamics, just generally speaking, what's left in the game and who would have a lot of options. And that's something where mm. I'm a little less convinced that it's someone on Vokai. I, I don't know, Mike, do you have any thoughts about where this might end up? I'm trying to think of, uh, of what the best is. Who, obviously it's somebody who's going to have a lot of options. Yeah. Do we all three agree on that?
2: Yeah. What I would it have Chelsea, right? She has a lot of options. Well, that's the thing though, is I think that, To
1: your point, actually, Antonio, I think it might be Vokai for that reason. Because Lyro seems still pretty, you know, reticent in, okay, there's the five girls, and then there's the three guys. Maybe there's a little bit of debate next week of, like, okay, Karishma is really starting to drag this tribe down. She really hasn't found her, her moment yet. Maybe now is the time to vote her out. But I feel like Vokai is so much more fluid that you would imagine like somebody like Lauren saying plan z you know but let me read out some words that begin with z because maybe z actually does stand for something here <laughs> let, let me open up my dictionary
3: <laughs> let me open up my twitter links uh, let's
1: see uh, <laughs> yeah z is z is really it's my last uh affinity according to twitter uh what about zap uh we also have zip
2: plan zap <laughs> uh plan zoo <laughs> mm, i don't know about any of these mike but okay what about what is plan zoo is plan zoo like oh we're gonna release the chickens or something like that this is also a Wendy's (laughs) plan it was plan zoo
1: yeah plan
3: zoo do
2: or it could be like we're going to
1: i'm going to like you know uh put all my allies in cages so i can observe them from afar Oh my god. Metaphorically speaking. Why do you think of these things,
3: Mike? I worry about listen.
1: The walls are plaid and they have been for the past ten years, I'm telling you. Bring
3: us Aaron Sliceburger the Junior Burger Junior back, please.
1: (laughs) Please bring back Sliceburger (laughs) Junior. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, i think i sent that same tweet to carl's jr at one point
1: could you imagine like survivor <laughs> fans being like oh man back during the slice burger jr days those were the halcyon days of survivor
2: <laughs> oh man yeah now it's all uh big slice burgers and we're just really not a fan of it
3: yeah i think we're at the impossible slice burger stage <laughs> or the beyond slice burger beyond, stage
1: yeah. Yeah. uh planned zigzag could be something Oh, that's a good one. I like that yeah. one.
3: Who's got rolling papers?
1: Uh, well, well, I don't know. Speaking of like actually pretty uh, dark circumstances, Plan Zodiac. Ooh. Oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe we finally find yeah. the Zodiac Killer in the Survivor. Is catches.
3: Tom the Zodiac Killer? Is it possible?
1: Well, Antonio, I don't want to create more interest by talking about the Zodiac Killer in your Twitter profile.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, oh, my bro. gosh. No, please. Uh, Probably already on there. Um, let's be real. Another
1: big one I have is Plan Zombie. Because I know we did have a previous uh, brain stride be like, oh, we found our zombies. Could we have some of this cast people find their zombies as well?
3: That was not so bad. Uh, I mean? could see that.
1: Like, people it who are seems... brainless and loyal to them, in their opinion. Oh, right. I see. Yes, yes, yes.
3: It seems, it just, it does seem, it really does seem uh, that, you're I mean, you're right that the Vokai tribe probably is the, what we've seen is that Jamal could be the one that gets voted out, that Dan could be the one that gets voted out. We saw that play out in this episode. As I said early on, like we did get a lot of strategy editing, and we've seen the dynamics of that tribe without it necessarily playing out uh, over and over again. So it, it, is it Nora? Is it Dan, uh, is it Jamal, is it Tommy that says Plan Z, since he seems to be getting all the strategy at it?
1: What type of hand motion would he make if he said Plan Z?
3: The Zorro, the sign of the Z. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or he's snapping, like the you go girl kind of thing, <laughs> like it's in his. Like Z, it'll snap in know. a Z
1: formation. A Z. <laughs> I don't
0: yeah.
1: know. Oh boy, alright, well we will see. We'll put a pin in that as to whether Z stands for something like Zeppeli. Maybe they're just really hungry out there. Alright, let's move on to our final segment of each and every week here on the BNB. The question of the week. Last week's question of the week in honor of Jamal. What is the worst thing to do the afternoon you're going to Tribal? As per usual, we'll read some suggestions that you all gave out there and then we'll give our own responses. Uh, First is Dan Sinensky. Tell everyone to vote you out, Zane. Who could Zane be the Z of Plan Z? Ah,
0: Oh boy, it could be.
2: Plan Zane.
1: That would I was that like, uh, don't quit smoking and then quit.
2: Right. Like, uh, let's go do your first days of of going cold turkey out on on Survivor. So smart. Uh, Vina Marie says, I would say dump
1: all the rice in the fire. But Jatia survived that vote anyway. And it was amazing. Smiley face. Maybe the worst thing you could do is tell stories about your life as a poker player slash lawyer slash millionaire.
2: Yeah, that's actually, so that was what I was thinking. Was I was like, okay, what's the thing that would piss the most people off as quickly as possible? And I feel like dumping food in the fire is a pretty good one. But yeah, like we saw here, I guess uh, just being a poker player is the worst thing you could do in the afternoon before a vote.
1: I mean, could it be like you'd like, all right, I want to get a poker play, a poker game going. I need my fix. I want cold turkey. That's my plan Z.
2: That's, yeah. Uh, plan <laughs> Zoker. <laughs> I don't know.
3: Plan Zoker.
1: <laughs> that was the, that's the new guy that got brought Come in on. behind the scenes, right? Plan Zoker. <laughs> right.
3: Tweet that, Liana, so in nine years we can look back at it. Oh,
1: can't wait. <laughs> uh, Catherine Bademian says If I was on Survivor, I've always wanted to just disappear into the woods, hoping people would just forget about me and then I wouldn't be voted out. But that might not be a good idea right before tribal. I don't know. How do you feel, Antonio? Do you feel that going AWOL right before a tribal council is a good idea?
3: And they can't vote you out if they can't have tribal. And I'm just pointing at my head like yeah. a gif when I say that. The, uh, it's, it's always a good strategy in the Royal Rumble in the WWE, uh, where 30 competitors, as you probably know from uh, the RNAP Royal Rumble, if anyone listened, uh, and I think we were all participants. Um. <laughs> Uh, unwillingly on some of our parts, maybe be, uh, if you, if you crawl under the ring, when you're meant to enter the ring, then they can't throw you out of the ring and you can just wait for everybody to throw each other out of the ring. And then you can emerge from under the ring and say, Hey, I'm the winner. It it has happened strategically like that in the past. So this would be the version of that. I do want from a production standpoint, right? What happens if that's the case, if you just disappear and are not found, they can't have tribal until they find you, but they probably would disqualify you.
2: Then you could like come into tribal council, like oh my god, that's Zayn Knight's music. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, what would happen if you just ran off into the woods and they couldn't find you? I mean, I assume there's always going to be a camera person with you the entire time, so maybe they wouldn't lose you. But if you just refuse to go to tribal, I, I guess they would uh, just yeah they'd disqualify yeah, you. Right?
3: Just yeah. yeah, they're gonna film yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you can't really walk it. into
2: tribal and be like uh, like as you know when Jeff says, okay,
1: you know, grab your stuff, get back to camp, and he's like, oh. Oh no, I'm late. What did I miss? What
2: happened?
3: What yeah. if you ran up and hid in the in the uh, the hidey hole uh, mm. before tribal?
2: Ah, there were there's a couple of them too. So you know, I don't know if they're prop uh, hidey holes or if you could really get up there into the little shack. Um,
1: but yeah. prop hidey
3: hole is on the ballot and it needs a new campaign <laughs> slogan for prop hidey <laughs> hole.
1: But but that's a, but that's a good call though because there's a difference between going a wall and pulling a Sandra and just like hiding in the camp.
2: Hmm.
3: I still think production's gonna nail you for this one. I think you you become the boot at that point, which is in all of these questions the last thing you want to do.
1: Hmm. So Jonathan Troyer and Derek L were both on the same page in terms of saying the worst thing to do on Survivor of the Afternoon Tribal is murdering somebody. Uh okay. Derek L got specific about uh, mass murdering the cameraman, and yeah,
2: I oh would boy. agree. <laughs> I yeah. think uh, I think that doesn't really matter what day you do that. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the afternoon <laughs> well, before Well, I know you murdered
1: someone, but it has been a couple days. It's all blown over. Now I think we're getting rid of Nora tonight. because She's annoying right. the heck out of us.
2: <laughs> it was
1: day two, not day three. So I think you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Parker Schimler says, I would say building sandcastles while spewing facts about Canada.
2: Ooh, shots fired at Haley Strong. Yeah.
1: Uh, Logan says the worst thing to do before Tribal Council would be to have a Brandon Hans meltdown, which uh, history proves to be correct on that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, they'll just uh, Jeff will put his hands on your shoulders and you'll go right then and there.
1: Oh, man. Do you think Kelly would have liked that considering how germaphobic she was if she had a Brandon Hans meltdown? That's right. Like, oh, I thought
3: you meant Jeff putting his hands on It's considering Dan in episode one
1: that's true yeah, that's what I thought right it was like- <laughs> I mean I guess it would be both like oh don't pee in the rice and don't give me a massage while I'm I'm having a big reaction just, just don't do yeah. any of that
2: no doubt yeah. no
1: touching uh, final thing from Krista no the, the worst thing to do on tribal day slash afternoon would be getting into a showmance especially before the votes have really been decided because they would want to break that showmance up what do you think Liana uh, if you get some poontang right before the votes happen oh is that wow, is that a good my- idea or a bad idea
2: uh that reminds me of animaniacs good idea bad idea uh i mean it's probably something that no one would be able to comprehend like exactly what's going on oh although if you're gonna disappear before tribal and try to avoid going to tribal like go have sex in the jungle is production really <laughs> gonna go and stop you in the middle be like uh, yeah, this is a family guys. show <laughs> right like uh guys good to go to tribal um you finish up real quick. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
3: I did wonder what that when when the question said, quote, getting into a showmance, what does that even entail the day of?
1: Like a hookup. <laughs> Get into. Yeah it,
3: yeah. it specifically, I think, definitely implies that there's an open uh, like a like a consummation of a showmance. I mean, uh, so that part is very tricky, as Liana directly observed.
2: Well, people, you know, some people don't like to stick out. They like to stick in. Uh, so you never know.
1: All right, Antonio, uh, what do you think is one of the worst things to do before going to tribal?
3: Eat a bunch of steak kebabs.
1: Ooh, good call.
3: Just I mean, I don't know if that same afternoon it's going to necessarily cause a problem. But generally speaking, don't fill your tiny belly with a bunch of steak kebabs right before an important vote. It probably will backfire on you and your alliance.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: I uh, I was thinking about, you know, what are the things that would piss people off, you know, the quickest. I was thinking, oh, throw away all the food, burn down the shelter. Um, but I think the one I want to go with is, uh, suggest that the entire tribe should get together and watch Jack and Jill when they all get back. I think you're gone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I like that. Just, like, suggest a bunch of things that they would do when they get back. Maybe that's another thing of, like, Hey, I can't wait to move in with all of you guys. I'm gonna be couch surfing for a while, so I hope you're okay that I stay with each of you for a month as soon as we get back to the States.
2: Right. I'm coming
3: to London. Uh, yeah, exactly. In some cases, more than a month, however long it might take to pay off your mortgage. I'm there.
2: Um if I am only one, if I win. And, yes. Oh, if only <laughs> if I win, and then you get only voted out. Exactly. Right. Yes, because no one wants you to win. Got it. So my thinking on it
1: was not only do you want to do something that might, you know, some people might not be entirely on board with, but you also want to do something where you really want to show everybody how safe you are. I think Jamal got some raised eyebrows last episode when he said, you know, I didn't bring my back to tribal council. People don't like cockiness. So I think if you're out there on the island already coming up with wand off songs about what's going to happen in that episode, then that's not a great thing. People think they're so confident they're coming up with song parodies. They're gloating about the fact that you know, they're going to sing a song about you and the fact that you got blindsided. So that cockiness could really, you know, backfire on you.
2: Definitely, oh, man. Sp- sorry, just quickly. Speaking of wand offs. So I do have um, Pat's Tweaked backs. All right. Which I think was Corey B. I have it in my music on my phone and it came up the other day. What a good song. I'm just going to say that. OK, let's move on. <laughs>
1: uh, only if uh, you should tweet about it. So it makes its way into your Twitter. I should. Favorites. Yes. Uh,
2: interests. Pat's tweaked back. <laughs>
1: You're going to get so many uh, advertisements for chiropractors and Boston Rob is going yeah. to block you you got blocked so for next week as you mentioned antonio i think that sandra's army lessons while fun to watch didn't necessarily pay off completely here so we're gonna ask you all out there give us some practical real life uses for what sandra taught you it could be something like army crawling into the break room to sneak around having to have like awkward casual conversation with your coworkers on a Monday morning and talking about the weather and what you watched on TV. It could be hiding behind a display case at Costco. So you get uh, the ability to sneak as many free samples as you want. We're looking for past survivor. How can you take this week's IOI lesson and apply it to your day to day?
2: Yeah, I can't wait to hear the answers on this. I think there's a lot of creative ways that you can uh, use the crawling under the stick held by Boston Rob uh, in your <laughs> real life. <laughs>
3: Definitely the implication that you're also carrying a torch while you're doing it should be there. Of
1: course. Yeah. Or you could carry I mean, they just say if you carry a torch for somebody, that's a reason to get voted out as well, according to Krissa. Uh You have a number of yeah. ways to reach out to us. You can always tweet at us using the hashtag RHAPBNB. You can email us RHAPBNB at gmail.com. Uh, you can also post on the uh, the post on rob has a website.com rob has awesome patrons reddit we are looking everywhere and anywhere uh, much like cameraman will be looking for a wayward person who would try to skip out on tribal council and we will get it all into everything about sandra strategies and i'm sure much more to come with episode four cannot imagine where they go from here in terms of the island of the idols lessons but i am here for it next week with a newbie to the b the great the great of the snakes rats and ghosts podcast with the great ryan elder he's also a big tv writer and voice actor as well we'll be able to get into everything from episode four with scott who's a very big survivor fan as well but for now antonio thank you so much for coming on i really honestly appreciate the lessons you've taught us about social media you have made me i guess more so on the spectrum of like paranoia on the level of a survivor player but I guess you need to watch your back in the real world as much as you do on the island.
3: You definitely do, and you need to watch your walls. They might be planned, and you need to watch (laughs) out for, you know, just random donut things that might be happening in your world. Yeah,
1: Liana, I feel like now, knowing your affinity for the donut rally, the B&B makes so much sense now.
2: I know, see, it all comes full uh, full circle, full donut.
1: (laughs) Well, Antonio, (laughs) I know that you've got, you've jump-started your podcasting once more, very recently. How can people find out what you're doing in terms of the podcasting you're
0: doing.
3: I'll be at A.C. Mazzaro on Twitter with two Zs and one R. Yeah, Josh uh, Wiggler and I are podcasting about this final season of Mr. Robot. We've podcasted about every season before that. You can catch up on those previous seasons at Amazon Prime, not a sponsor of the b &B. and I am also going to be podcasting about the Breaking Bad movie El Camino with Rob Sesternino. So be on the lookout for that. And I will be podcasting with Josh over at his podcast series regular on The Hollywood Reporter, about the upcoming HBO show Watchmen. So listen, men, a uh, podcast about that show. And I'm one of those men.
0: Yeah,
1: okay, I, that's it. I, I'm very excited for your Watchmen coverage in particular. From what I've seen so far, I think it really is up your alley. And you always provide such great analysis. And you and Josh have a, a chemistry that even defies uh, Breaking Bad's breakdown of science. So I'm super excited to hear all the stuff you have to say about the upcoming wave of peak TV that has infiltrated the airwaves. Uh, Liana, what are you up to?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on social media at Liana Boris. I am podcasting about The Masked Singer, um, which is absolutely insane. I um, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and he was like, hey, so there's going to be a French version of The Masked Singer. So it's sweeping the world, this sensation. Uh Puyasi and Vakili and I broke down all of the events that happened in episode three this past week, so definitely check that out. It's such a fun, insane show. Um, uh just just listen it's so good
1: can i ask so last season i watched the first two episodes because it showed all the contestants and i admittedly sort of lost interest when i got into repeat performances what's a reason why we should watch past because this is now all the contestants are fully introduced what's a reason why we should keep watching to see the same people over and over again
2: Well, I think part of the fun is trying to figure out who everybody is. And so even though you feel really solidly about a guest, you don't actually know until that mask is revealed. And that, I think, is really the fun part. You get to see um, these characters interact. You get to see some crazy performances, some background dancers, Mike, which I know uh, Uh, you are interested in.
1: (laughs) The favorite thing in the Bloom household when watching The Masked Singer is watching what redonkulous things they make the backup dancers do over the course of their, these performances
2: and these costumes are also so insane um it's just a really fun colorful show um you know throw it on in the background when you're cleaning or doing something like that you know it's nice because you don't have to be paying attention 100% all the time um it's just silly it's fun it's goofy and that's why you should keep watching
1: all right you can always follow me at a mike bloom type you can check out the express i do every week for parade.com Got to speak with Vince this week. Had a lot of fun not only getting his opinions on everything in true Vince fashion, but also, as I mentioned before, him filling in some blanks. If you want to know what his IOI lie was, whether he talked to Elizabeth, why he targeted Tom, Vince was very open about all that. And also uh, about, you know, the reception in the Southeast Asian community about his representation as well. It was It's something that he was really carrying when he went into the game. And I loved hearing him reflect on all that. I'm also doing the Down the Hatch podcast with Josh Wiggler, just got past a very big episode in Solitary, and this week it's all about Claire Littleton as we examine Raised by Another. Also, if you're a fan of Australian Survivor and you're a patron of the Dom and Colin podcast, one of the ha- half of the heads that are out there on Island of the Idols, apparently, uh, you might want to check your fees because there might be something fun in there that I was lucky enough to get involved in. But... That's going to do it this week on the BNB. Thank you, Antonio, so much for coming on once again and providing your fantastic expertise in everything Survivor and otherwise. If you have game suggestions, tweet them at us, email them to us. We're more than happy to receive everything and uh, turn it into hopefully some fun as we do here each and every week. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Our head writer, Paul Oselson and Wolf from America for our theme song. We'll be back next week with episode four with the great scott turnoff but for now we'll check you out at your next day
0: like i'm the honor yeah they're playing some games you up pray to your mama that they're not super lame and if that all sounds cool i can tell you the name it's the r h a p b m b and like i'm the honor yeah playing some games you up pray to your mama that sounds cool i can tell you the name it's the r h a you can yeah. say for free
3: this is the story of the one